the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Rob Black talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. The big story of the day is wholesale inflation rose more than expected in September. Prices staying well above 8%. That's not going to be acceptable for the Fed. Does this translate into tomorrow's CPI consumer price index numbers? And what does it mean for the retail numbers that we get on Friday? Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, how are you holding up in the markets these days? Yeah, good morning, Rob. Um, well, we're still here. So good, it's good. Uh, obviously been challenging for everybody, uh, not the market that anybody would want to uh, to see this year unless you, of course, uh, short the market. But uh, as you allude to there, the uh, the PPI number this morning didn't necessarily help the cause, but the, the market itself is um, holding up you know, relatively well today in spite of that number. Um, yeah, it is. It's been a rough five days. It's been a rough quarter. It's been a rough uh, three quarters of the year. Um, we're moving into earnings season. Is is earnings something that could turn us around? Because Pepsi showed some pretty good numbers this morning and their stock's responding positively. Well, I wish I could be a ray of sunshine there for you, Rob, but um, <laughs> I don't think so. You know, okay. I think Pepsi is going to be more in a, uh, an exception to to the general rule this reporting period. Um, I think we're going to hear a lot more companies uh, acknowledge the, the macroeconomic uncertainty, uh, the challenges they're facing in terms of weakening demand, <clears throat> um, and I think that will ultimately translate into – lower earnings estimates for the fourth quarter and and certainly starting into 2023. Um, I think we and I have talked before that we've maintained that those earnings estimates for 2023 are still too high. Uh, right. Markets, you know, and I was currently projecting about 8% year-over-year growth in 2023, which just doesn't uh, register with us when you look at all the writing on the wall that's pointing to, uh, you know, a, a slowdown that's not just going to be U.S.-based, but will be globally-based. And uh, we just don't think that that's going to translate into really any earnings growth next year. Um, and so we expect to see those numbers uh, continue to get cut as we move through the reporting period. Now, if I could offer the silver lining there, and maybe a little bit of a ray of sunshine, is that we need these estimates to come down. Because um, part of the problem for the stock market right now is that there's no faith in the achievability of earnings estimates that are believed to be too high. Okay. So there's not a lot of confidence that one is stepping in buying true value here, even though the market multiple is is below the 10-year average. Um, we need these estimates to come down meaningfully, and then there'll be more confidence in those uh, those bargain hunting efforts, and, and then we'll see a better uh, better stock market performance, uh, we believe. Is there any way you can gauge a percentage you think we're through with this? Because Jamie Dimon rattled the markets earlier when he talked about if 
inflation numbers stay high on the CPI on Thursday, we could see another leg down on the stock market. Are we 50% done with our bear market? Are we 75? Are we too soon to tell we're further along than, than, than closer to a bot? Are there any quant numbers you can throw at me that you feel comfortable saying? Well, um, not really. I'm sorry. You know, I can. I guess they would Fair. say that. You know, when you look at the market down 25 percent year to date, um, you, you certainly would think that you're, you know, well into the bear market, right? Um, but uh, it, it really is. You know, the the future is just inherently unpredictable, Rob. And and I think you know the best we can do, or certainly this particular market analyst can do, is. is is allow the market to be the guide. Um, and the market is not convinced yet um, that, uh, that, that the worst is over, uh, we don't believe. Um, and, and a lot of that hinges on the fact that uh, the market cannot pinpoint where the Fed is going to ultimately end with its rate hike campaign, how long it's going to stay there, and, uh, and what ultimately is the true level of earnings here uh, as we move, you know, into 2023. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, clearly a lot of uncertainty. And, and of course, not to mention the fact that, you know, the Russia-Ukraine situation is not getting any better. We're now uh, seemingly on the cusp of picking a fight with Saudi Arabia. Um, and uh, and there's just a lot of, you know, a lot of unknowns right now as far as, you know, where we get some resolution on any of this. And so, you know, against a backdrop like that, it becomes, you know, challenging to sustain, you know, a rally effort. We can get those rally efforts, but uh, the inclination we think will predominantly continue to be one of selling into strength until there's more clarity on, you know, multiple fronts, but particularly the interest rate front and what the Federal Reserve is doing. I did like Mohammed El Arian this week say that if you're waiting for the Fed to pivot, that dream needs to die. And I was like, wow, yeah. it's it's a, a lovely way of saying it, right? Of you, It's not an ifs and buts kind of market. It's a show me the money kind of market. A little bit different. Well, Go ahead. Yeah. And if I can just inject, I mean, I think that is the real challenge here right now for the marketplace. I mean, we've all grown accustomed uh, to seeing the Fed uh, pretty much come to the market's aid with rock, you know, with really low interest rates, uh, quantitative tight uh, easing since the financial crisis, of course, but, um, and, and we're in this transitional stage. I think this Fed really kind of wants to, you know, to knock that notion uh, that it's going to be there to, uh, you know, prevent any bad things from happening as it relates to, you know, stock prices falling. Now, of course, it will address financial stability concerns if they, if they come to light, but at the moment, the Fed is fixed on, getting inflation under control and it still is not uh, overly concerned by falling stock prices um, because it hasn't yet uh, seen, I guess, anyway, any clear signs that there's, you know, real financial stability risk here. But of course, we're all on watch for something uh, given the volatility in the currency and the bond markets. And certainly, of course, what we've also seen happen in the UK with the guilt market there and the trouble those pension funds have gotten into. So, you know, when rates stay at zero for as long as they did, um, bad things will happen because people will misallocate capital. They will get over leveraged. And when you see these rapid rate increases like we have, um, it seems that there's a pretty good prospect that something 
bigger is out there that uh, kind of has some adverse implications. And so uh, that's another uncertainty factor that's holding this market back. So I'm trying to stay positive with people, telling them end of the year, look at your finances, look at things like 529 plans, tax efficiencies that you could try to create. But that only goes so far of telling people, yeah, we're nine months into what's typically a two to three year process of a recession created Fed Reserve finding a bottom process. It is a lot of process though, isn't it? And it's not, there's not one clear thing that you could say, like, it's not just going to be the earnings. It's not just going to be Putin. It's not just going to be um, something to get us out of this. Um, but we are starting to put together the pictures. We are starting to see the, the, where we're going with this. Right. And, and, you know, on, on a better note though, too, is that, you know, we have seen many, many stocks come well off their highs, you know, 50, 60% here. Um, and as I alluded to earlier, you have a SP 500 multiple, you know, it's below the historical average. Um, and uh, now that all depends too, of course, on how far earnings estimates get cut. But the point being is that a lot of damage has been done. You're seeing uh, stocks come back to, you know, levels that they haven't traded at in a long time. You know, I would note a piece out on CNBC this morning talking about where bank multiples are right now. You know, they're roughly, you know, um, around eight times earnings versus a historical average of closer to 12. So um, so some real discount evaluation there. Um, and there are some longer term buying opportunities that are availing themselves here. So that's why, you know, we continue to stick to the knitting of dollar cost averaging here because, you know, when things turn and when the market has confidence that the Fed is done and will ultimately pivot to a rate cut uh, cycle, um, we're going to get much better, much better returns, you know, uh, in the stock market than certainly what we've been seeing here. And so you have to be patient and it's tough to ride this out. But, you know, for the patient minded long term investor, you know, better opportunities have arisen here than there certainly were available a year ago. We've got about a minute left. Is there anything you want to tip in or add an assist to? Well, you know, all I can say, you know, I, I published a big picture article uh, to briefing.com every Friday. Um, you usually ask me what I'm going to work on, and I have to admit, I don't quite know yet, but the reason being is I think the answer is going to come in the next couple of days here uh, when I see what happens with the consumer price index, what we get out of the retail sales report on Friday, and certainly what we uh, hear from the banks that are due to report the results before the open on Friday. We've got about 76 days till Christmas, and we've got the elections coming up. There's no shortage of drama left at the markets for this year, and uh, I'm sure you'll stay on top of it at briefing.com for us. Thanks, Mr. O'Hare. It's Patrick O'Hare. You can find him at briefing.com. That's briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news. I use it every day. I start with his page one. It's kind of a joy for me to be able to talk to him on air. I don't know if you can pick up on that. Um but I really like talking stocks and I, I can listen to him all day long. Take a look at briefing.com right now. The big stories today are Pepsi reporting better than expected earnings and guidance, setting a hopeful tone for third quarter earnings reporting season. Uh, here's my word on hopeful. Hope belongs in two places. I hope the 49ers go to the Super Bowl this year because I think it would be fun for the community to get together and talk and have something to rally around. I hope that there's afterlife when I die. Hope belongs in churches and it belongs in football fields. Hope does not belong in the stock market. 
Do not count on PepsiCo. SP 500 is testing. It's finding some support. I like when bottoms are, are processed, not quick. I'm Rob Black. An education first approach to managing your money. This is the Rob Black Show. The stock market skidded to a five-day losing streak. It gets a little discouraging, I know. I put up a new video on current market conditions on YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. You can check it out. It's a good 15, 20-minute conversation with a market strategist on current market conditions. I do that every week. Um, it's a little bit more quanty, a little more data than what I do on radio or on television. In fact, I would say television is the one where I'm probably my most loosey-goosiest because it's it's so short form and you have to get the information out fast. NASDAQ was down 1.1% yesterday. The SP 500 down six tenths of a percent. The Dow Jones industrial average was up one tenth of a percent. Netflix down 7% yesterday. Still trying to figure out when we buy it, if we buy it. I'm not going to buy it. They're producing way too much content, in my opinion. Will there, would there be a price? Eh, probably more like economic data. It'd probably be something with their earnings. They're, we're not in an environment where they're going to be able to raise prices. We're in an environment where they're going to be able to sell advertising. And selling of advertising works better in an economy that's improving, not in an economy that's declining. Zuckerberg yesterday. I don't know about you, but I, I watched the MetaQuest Pro debut. And they made a relationship with Microsoft so that you could use Microsoft Teams in this virtual world that CEO Mark Zuckerberg's building. I don't get it, but he comes across as incredibly robotic. Like if he were to pull off his mask and it just be like the Terminator 2000 underneath, I wouldn't be surprised. He just doesn't come across well. And someone needs to tell him that it's just weird watching him give presentations. I know you're saying you're, you're, you're picking on a guy's presentation skills. Maybe he has autism. Something has to explain it. Um, it's awkward, but he's introducing the meta quest pro souped up VR headset at the MetaConnect event. The MetaConnect event is kind of like a World Web Developers Conference that Apple does. Zuckerberg needs companies to produce content for his hardware. It represents the first big product launch since the local social media company out of the Bay Area rebranded last year into the new company called Meta to focus on the metaverse and not on Facebook and the legal issues facing Facebook. It is despicable the way Facebook works. Um, they have an algorithm that, that can build off hate. Um, fat teenage girl, you know, punches into her browser, you know, how to get skinny. And then she's like, Oh, you know, I want to see Taylor Swift. And suddenly Facebook, which isn't even on Google, but you agree to let Facebook follow you is suddenly be served up with ads on how to put her finger down her throat and vomit. To the point of killing herself. I don't like Facebook. Uh, Meta's high stakes trip to the metaverse can't be called a failure yet. The Quest 2 is the most popular VR headset on the market. The Oculus virtual reality apps have been downloaded 21 million times. The Horizon World is about 300,000 monthly active users. Though Facebook itself has 2.9 billion monthly users. These are small numbers. Um, but 
the video that Zuckerberg was showing, the graphics are okay, but like they're not showing people's legs in this meta world. So you're only seeing half their body, half their avatar. So it's like seeing the movie Avatar, but none of the characters in Avatar have any legs. It's like, this is kind of weird. I kind of did like that Microsoft is getting in on it. And there is something to be said that Zoom meetings are very two-dimensional and you don't feel like you're in the room. Would my company pay $1,500 to send me an Oculus VR headset so that when there's a a meeting, I got to go to a meeting next Thursday. So I'm going to be off the show next Thursday. If maybe, I think it's Wednesday actually. So if I had to go to that meeting in person versus doing it in VR versus doing it on Zoom, I guess VR is one step better than Zoom, but not much. I don't want to see an animated character of my boss yelling at me. Um, without legs? Where's your legs, dude? Um, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't, I don't see the $1,500. It's too expensive for just meetings, in my opinion. Uh, will the price come down? Yes. Is he at the right place at the right time? I don't think so. I think he's too early. With that said, we still wait for Apple to see what they come out with. Because if Facebook starts seeing any traction, Apple will follow. And they'll say, screw augmented reality. Let's go virtual reality. But I don't think you're going to see it anytime soon. And I think Apple makes markets. I don't think Facebook makes markets. Elon Musk got into a weird situation yesterday. He denied chatting with Vladimir Putin before posting his peace proposal. He has turned off Starlink's ability to work in Crimea because he's afraid that Putin is going to nuke Crimea because of him. Elon Musk is a weird dude, man. Uh, He's overpaid for Twitter so that he can stay in the news cycle every two days. He's a weird dude with his need to try to solve world peace. I know, I know. Every now and then we get leaders like that, like Jesse Jackson. Back in the 1990s, anytime there was a world situation to be brokered, he'd get on a flight. You're like, he's not even an electric official. Why is he on a flight going there? And then Dennis Robin took the mantle for a while. Now we're seeing Elon Musk to the rescue. I don't know if the world wants that. 249 years after the dunk, after the Boston Tea Party, Boston is getting its coffee-inspired remake. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts fans are in revolt of the company's revamp of its award system last week, which makes getting free coffee more expensive. Do you know why I'm telling you when you get reward points to use them? It's because companies can change their plans. Of note, Starbucks is going to be work- linking with Delta in the reward programs. You're like, wait, wait, wait. Delta, aren't they an airline? And isn't Starbucks a coffee chain? Yes. Dunkin' Donuts super fans who use the rewards system are in, they're freaked out. And they're they're threatening to uninstall the app of Dunkin' Donuts and move to Starbucks. Apps for fast food and quick service restaurants are really important. They've become really important. And if you can get free food through your app because they really want you on their phone, uh, they really want their business on your phone. Is that right way of saying it? But Duncan upped the amount of money you had to spend at a store to get free drinks. Previously, $40 equals free coffee. Now $40 just gets tea. 
So Boston's in a Boston tea party situation because tea's not as good as coffee. Tea's gross compared to coffee, in my opinion. I know you're saying gross. I'm not a big tea drinker. I'm sorry. You have to spend 50 bucks to get coffee. You have to spend 70 bucks to get a cold brew. You have to spend 90 bucks for lattes. So they've changed the terms. It's like devaluing the currency. For Duncan, they're saying the drinks have gotten more expensive to make the changes would be beneficial for their franchisees. Duncan also had a more generous rewards program in the industry. Uh, so they're getting more in line with other firms. But people like free stuff. People don't like free stuff being taken away. I find that story kind of funny. Although there's a story out of New Zealand where they're going to start f- taxing farts and burps. True story. Maybe I'll get to that next. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Markets have opened after getting what we don't want. The producer price index showing more inflation. Persistent inflation. Um, The S&P 500 is down fractionally. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down fractionally. One quarter of 1%. The NASDAQ down fractionally. We've seen a lot of selling in September and into October. Any rally that we've had has been met with more inflation data, more inflation news, more Fed Reserve speaks and inflation is not acceptable. Now we move into earnings season. And that's going to be a whole nother show. So in a big one at that um, earning season for the fourth quarter, this is third quarter reporting. So fourth quarter reports probably in January is the right way of looking at that. But equity futures fell from their highs following that PPI number. So we're still responding in the last 30 minutes to a bounce back from oversold conditions, but oh no, it's also on top of a PPI number that was not desirable. Producer price inflation shows inflation is sticking at levels that will pressure profit margins and stoke concerns about negative pass-through effects to the consumer. You've seen corporations at this point in time say, yes, we're paying more for goods. Let's resize what we're selling to the consumer. Instead of a 12-ounce soda, let's sell an 11-ounce soda. Instead of a one-pound bag of cereal, let's sell a three-quarters of a pound bag of cereal for the same exact price. It's inflationary, but at least psychologically, people feel like they're getting getting away with it, but they're not. So we're dealing with that today. Where did the 10-year treasury go, by the way? I saw the two-year note. The two-year note's sitting at 4.32. I do kind of want to see this. Sorry, um, this is a personal fascination that I should have done during the commercial break. Bitcoin's at 19,000. That's interesting. I don't know if you can see how my head slowly works. 10-year treasury sits at 3.96. Yeah, we're not getting really... I got a note yesterday from my online bank that they've increased how much they're paying for banking up to 3%. So they've jumped their rate from 2.5% to 3%. So I moved some more cash into my 3% cash. Now I'm looking at bonds at 4% as I like that for the long term, as long as inflation 
shuts down in the short term. If the Fed is going to raise interest rates, and one of the things that they're saying is, we're going to keep raising until we see inflation break, and then we're going to maintain them at higher levels for a longer period of time than you want us to. My cash has to work for me. My stocks have to work for me on some levels. I do understand down years, but I have to see good earnings, good management, savvy management. In downtimes, I want to see corporations buy back shares and or announce plans for how they're going to navigate in the future. The IMF yesterday said the worst is yet to come for the global economy. Take that seriously. I know you're like, we are one bullet shot away on Putin from a relief rally. I think that's true. I think if Putin were to go down, resign, get taken out, I, I think there would be a big rally. Um, but inflation would still be problematic. So we would come back to that inflation. In the end, I think during good economies, it's all about the jobs numbers. And I think in bad economies, it's all about the inflation numbers. Is how we're going to look at it today. And I'm going to stick with that. 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, Amazon is now cutting cost. What's interesting to note about Amazon cutting cost is under Jeff Bezos, they were known as a company that would not necessarily cut cost, but increase cost to buy growth. Now, Andy Jassy, CEO of Amazon, he was CEO of Amazon Web Services, is speaking about the need to cut costs with three quarters in the book, it's clear that 2022 for Amazon looks very different than the first quarter century as a public company. Company's second prime day sale of the year started on Tuesday. It ends today. It's going to give you a glimpse into the challenges that Amazon is facing. Um, Jeff Bezos in his very, very, very first shareholder letter, which if you've never read shareholders letters, I highly recommend you do. Get the annual report and you can go find annual reports online. There's services that will mail them to you. You can get the digital version of them, which is probably the proper thing to do because I don't think you're going to be keeping the annual report as long-term reading. But um, Jeff Bezos made it very clear. We're going to lose money for a long period of time. He said, quote, we will continue to make investment decisions in light of the long-term market leadership considerations rather than the short-term profitability considerations or short-term Wall Street restrictions. Um, and the rest is history, 25 up years, dominant. Andy Jacey now is like, we're more of a mature of a company and we need to understand frugality, which is interesting. It's nice. Amazon has shut down this year its telehealth service. It's discontinued a quirky video calling projector for kids. It's closed all but one of its U.S. call centers. It's axed its roving delivery robot. It's shut down its underperforming brick-and-mortar chains. It's closing or canceling or delaying new warehouse locations. Amazon has also considered drastically reducing the size of its secretive Skunk Works Lab Grand Challenge. 
On the recruiting front, Amazon is in a hiring freeze for corporate roles in its retail business. At last month's annual hardware event, which normally showcases a roster of gadgets and robots that may or may not still be around in a year or two, was noticeably constrained. So I'm not saying that Amazon's pulling all hands on the deck. We have to cut costs, but it sure looks like it. You're seeing similar tech giants like Meta and Alphabet cutting costs as well, reflecting a challenging macro environment. Um, so Meta and Google are trimming costs right now. Now, Amazon's also been on a buying spree, which is interesting to note. They picked up one medical for $3.9 billion. They picked up the iRobot Roomba. Um, the iRobot Maker Roomba is the right way of saying that for about $1.7 billion. They picked up a Belgian warehouse robotics company called Klustermans for an undisclosed amount. The company also said it would spend about a billion over the next year on wage increases and expanded benefits for frontline workers. It plans to hire 150,000 employees to help manage the holiday rush. Those aren't long-term positions. They're short-term holiday positions. But they're belt tightening. You want to see that. Again, one of the things that I want to see, and this is very uncomfortable to say out loud, the producer price index didn't come down the way we wanted it today. That's a Homer Simpson dough. Tomorrow, the consumer price index not going to come down as fast as we want it to. That's going to be another dough. What I want to see happen is job cuts rise. And so far, what I'm seeing is Amazon is engineering intelligently less spending, but we're not hearing about corporate layoffs. We're hearing about corporate hiring freezes. Now, I don't expect Amazon to lead the, the parade of layoffs. I still don't. But it would be nice. But it's not going to happen. So it's going to happen elsewhere in the economy, in my opinion. If we're going to get to where we want to get, that's how the Fed has to break something, in my opinion. 800-516-1220 each calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. One of the things we should talk about, and maybe I'll save the longer version of this for next, but we're going to see one of the biggest trends of intergenerational wealth. $68 trillion is set to reshape the economy. This is something that I want you to be very aware of. Um, in the next five years, we're likely to start seeing one of the greatest transfers of intergenerational wealth. It's estimated upon their deaths, the silent generation, the baby boomers will transfer between 30 trillion to 68 trillion to their adult children. My mother passed away last year and I'm getting a big check. It's nice. Um, it's a sizable amount of money for my four, my five siblings. For me, it's okay. I'm the most financially successful out of us, but they're getting life changing money. We're going to see when our parents die off, and my parents died off probably before your parents died off, because everyone my own age, they still have a parent or two alive. Both my parents are gone. That sucks. But $30 trillion to $68 trillion is coming into and going to reshape our economy. Best thing I can advise you to do is get financially literate. I've got five siblings of which I could tell you three are financially literate, two are financially stupid. 
and will retard their growth, financially speaking, they could take that asset that my mother's passing on to them from my mother's and father's estate, and they could grow it, but they're going to blow it. Financial literacy is super important. Know how to keep that asset around on your side of the fence. Don't give it over to the other side of the fence and have nothing left. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Two headlines grabbed my attention this morning. United has added a new transatlantic flight for summer of 2023 in a bet on travel recovery. This past summer, right before school started, I had to watch some of my friends go on vacation to Europe because I've got my dogs are 110110. It's tough to go on two-week vacations, and it's tough to go to Europe unless you're going at least 10 days to get bang for your buck for that $1,000 ticket across the ocean. United has added new transatlantic flights for summer 2023 and a bet on travel. Very profitable uh, flights. United said Europe travel this summer was up 20% from 2019 levels. So now the whole, what does the economy look like before COVID, during COVID, post COVID is starting to play true. We're up 20% from 2019 pre-COVID. That tells you there's a lot of demand, and that's a lot of inflation. United plans to add routes like San Francisco to Rome and Newark to Dubai. Aircraft delays and staffing shortages have hampered airline schedules this year. So whatever United can muster up, they're saying, let's go with that profitable flights. United says it's going to fly to 37 cities in Europe, Africa, and in India, Middle East. A total, it said, is more than other U.S. airlines combined. It will also bring back destinations, including nonstop flights from Newark Liberty <clears throat> into Stockholm. There's been a slower rebound in business travel, and other issues still loom over the demand for 2023. London's Heathrow Airport warned Tuesday that travel demand is uncertain. Delta Airlines is ramping up service to Europe for, as well for next spring and summer, growing its transatlantic capacity by 8% from 2022. So, okay, you're seeing above 2019 levels, aggressively above. Now, what's the other headline that is it's dueling with today? Wholesale prices. The PPI, the Produced Price Index, increased four-tenths of 1% for September compared with the Dow Jones' expectation of two-tenths. So we wanted a less inflationary number, and guess what? We got a more inflationary number or a more persistent inflationary number this morning. That's right. Again, like last Friday on the jobs report, a lot of us said, what if the economy stays hot and we keep creating jobs? Market get, got smacked in the face is what happens. So typically, I'm not going to say I'm all but certain at this point, but I'm all but certain at this point that until something dramatic happens with the PPI or the CPI, and they are connected, 
producers tend to want to pass prices on to consumers. As the producer goes, uh, we want to make our money. Let's pass it on to the consumers. If they want it, demand's heavy. Let's pass on the buck. The producer price index, a measure of prices that U.S. businesses get for their goods and services that they produce, increased four-tenths of a percent for the month on a 12-month basis, which is probably way more important. The PPI rose 8.5%, which is a slight deceleration from 8.7% in August. That ain't going to cut it. If you're looking for a reason to buy, that's not it. The Fed has responded by raising interest rates five times this year for a total of three percentage points. Do you remember this time last year we were saying they're going to raise not 300 basis points. They're going to raise 75 basis points this year. And they're doing 75 basis points per raise. So not only did they get the transitory inflation wrong, and I guess we all did on some levels, right? Because we believed them. But they started off with these little 25 basis point rate hike cuts. And yeah, uh, rate hikes, not cuts, excuse me. And uh, now they've they've loaded the bazooka with 75 at a time, 75 at a time, 75 at a time. Wednesday data shows the Fed still has a lot of work to do. <clears throat> so now we move to turn the page to tomorrow's CPI. Um, the PPI comes a day ahead of the much more closely watched CPI, the consumer price index. The two measures differ in the PPI measures the prices received at the wholesale level, while CPI gauges the price that consumers pay. Two-thirds of the increase in the PPI was attributed to a four-tenths percent gain in services. A big factor was a 6.4% jump in prices received for traveler accommodation services, which ties back in that first story about traveling and how much demand there is. If you were to go down to the final goods on prices, they rose four-tenths of a percent, pushed by a 15.7% advance in the cost of fresh and dry vegetables. I'm telling you, finance gets really wonky, doesn't it? Demand for riskier home loans is high right now as interest rates are soaring. One of the stories that we've been telling throughout the last year is, yes, the housing market is overpriced and needs to cool off. But now what we're seeing is if a loan gets done, it's typically a little bit riskier of a loan. The average contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage with a conforming loan balance has increased to 6.81% from 6.75%. Mortgage applications to purchase a home fell 2% for the week and were 39% lower than a year ago level. Mortgage demand is dropping as rates climb higher. A lot of individuals are going for what are called ARMS, an adjustable rate mortgage. Typically, you hear 5-1 ARMS or a 7-1 ARM, <clears throat> which has a fixed rate. A 5-1 has a fixed rate for five years. It's at about 5.5% right now, so well lower than the third year. But you're going to have to do a mortgage in five years when that 
just more mortgage balloons. <clears throat> so you're no longer servicing debt for five years. One minute. You're serving. Well, yeah, you are, but you, that ends at five years. And, and before the end of that, you need a new, new mortgage. Higher overall rates crush refinance demand even further with applications off 2% for the week and down 86% from year earlier levels. So it's all kind of tying together right now. And the area where I'm concerned are the people that are buying homes now. And if they lose their job, that's going to create a problem because people are stretching to get into mortgages and they're hoping prices continue to go higher. Bad combination. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.